0: Shabbat Shalom. I'm glad all of you guys are here today. Those online, thanks for joining us. Um, as you know, livingmessiah.com is our website. You'll find a donate button there and you'll find the address. So if, if your heart leads you in that direction, we thank you so much and we thank you for those who do support us as well. And a thumbs up is always nice, as, uh, nice to do too. So, as far as, uh, let me open in, pr- uh, yeah, let me open in prayer first, and then we'll go over a little bit of stuff, and then right into the study. Father, Yahuwah, great and mighty you are. Father, there is none like you. Father, you are unique. Your words, your words are unique. Your ways are unique to all. Father, Father, we come here today to grow close to you and your words, to understand them, and Father, to understand the words of your Son, Father, we thank you for the redemption we find and the grace and the mercy we, we find in you and your name. We thank you again, Father. Empower us with your spirit so we can do just that, grow stronger in our faith in walking out your ways. Amen. So, and as you know, um, comments and questions, if you have it, just raise your hand. There's uh, two mics out there floating. And we just ask... <clears throat> excuse me, ask, it's, let's stay on the, on the text that we're looking at because we all want to learn uh, at the same time. We, uh, so And I know that can be hard, but we can do it, right? We can do that. And another note, um, uh, when you do get that mic, make sure you get it close to your mouth when you're speaking. Uh, that way it comes off uh, a lot clearer for Ward in the back, Okay. So with all that being said, as you know, this is the book of Acts that we're we're in. We're in chapter 12. Last week, just a refresher, last week we read about Peter, right, being sent to prison. um, And it was at the time of Passover. Then he escapes with the aid of a messenger of Yahuwah. Hopefully you saw all the patterns associated with the Exodus story in that. If I, if I did a good job, you did. If not, hopefully you see that the connection with that idea, the time and Passover. And uh, what an awesome story Passover is. So much even for us today. We have to realize that. So this week, we'll uh, we'll, con- uh, we'll read the conclusion to this, um, this awesome event that Peter uh, is in again. Peter's like us. This is something I think is important. He's a man, he's a human, right? He has emotions, he stresses, right? We can't take that out of the equation when we read this about uh, 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 these uh, these people here in the scriptures. Um, And there's so much uh, that's always going on. So what I'm saying is, as we uh, read today, keep in mind uh, that... Keep in mind all these things and what may have been going through Peter's mind and will still continue to go through Peter's mind. I know it doesn't necessarily say it in the text, but the emphasis, this is, it's got to be there. He's got to have been stressing and having some anxiety, wouldn't you say? Okay, yes. But I think it's interesting having that thought of what might have been going on through Uh, In Peter's thoughts, I believe it's written here in the scriptures in a sense, the way the text is, it's written so the spirit can reveal to us, you know, um, how, how we're so small and how we're in so, so much need of him in all kinds of situations. And it's not always this paved road of gold it's it's just not that way so keep that in mind so Peter escapes prison like I said with the help of a messenger of Yahuwah that would have been a rush wouldn't you say of emotions of that happening right of course it would be and it's just that it just so much it would be going on within his mind and uh, that situation but where we're at now, it's not over yet. So that's where we're going to see. The messenger of Yahweh disappears quickly as he appeared. Okay? His joy and excitement quickly dissipates, right? He's in the middle of the streets. He just got out of prison. The angel directed him. He's in the middle of the street. Okay, what do I do now? What would be going through his mind? I just escaped from prison. they got to be looking. Me. Where, where I go? What do I do? Oh, I'll go, I'll go to Miriam's house. Because I know they meet up there, right? So I gotta get there. So to me, I would think it's like, wow, what just happened? The father, he says that so, wow, it wasn't a dream. Yahweh got me out of prison. Gone all of a sudden, oh my goodness. Stress again. And we see this plenty of times. One of my favorite people that I see this happens to uh, what is it, Elijah when he was on Mount Carmel right this put up the uh, you had this showdown of the prophets of Baal and and then you got this uh, uh, Elijah he puts together the altar Yahweh answers you know and it's like what a mighty thing that just happened there and then goes through that and then not too far along Elijah's running. I'm the only one. He's scared out of his mind what's going on. And I think that's typical with all of us. So keep that in mind. I think that it's weird. So I would say their soldiers are surely looking for him at this point now. So he needs to get off the streets. The first place, like I said, he'd go to Miriam's house. Okay? Because now we're on the way to Miriam's house. That's where the story's at. And... Be anxious, because that's what, to me, that's what's going on. So envision Peter, and I think it's fair, start putting stress into his life and in this story as we go, because I think it's there. So, and then Peter finally gets the go ahead, uh, Barry, we got the uh, uh, mic over here.
1: I, I wanted to go back just a little bit. To the point where the angel comes over and taps him. Mm-hmm. Because the thought is, why did he have to tap him unless he was asleep? Correct. If he was asleep, maybe, I mean, my thought is, I'm going to die. If I were him, I, my thought would be, I'm going to die, but I'm serving and it It's the point where I don't care. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die because I'm serving my Lord, and and I'm doing what is. I can't think of the word. You know, you can't say it's what's right. You can't say that's what I want to do. It's just you're no longer concerned with what the world has. You're not worried about what the world wants you to do or what you have to do. It's it's a different it's a different place. He's. He's asleep and yeah he's concerned but he's asleep it's he's gotta be tapped to be woken up and he still thinks he's asleep, he's dreaming
0: yes there you do see that in the story no I agree I think that the thing and like what you're saying in his mind the words that he actually said probably come back to him I'll follow you everywhere you go master speaking to Yeshua to prison to death and now, in some sense, he finds himself in that position so and and so do that when you're reading through that, don't hesitate to think about wow, what is going really on yes, Barry,
1: one dad, another comment on top of it, it just it's it's a very separate comment, and that is um there was a time I was in Mexico with my wife at the time, and we we're they're picking up our niece and we were everyone was told how how Laa the the uh, mafia was looking for us and they're gonna possibly kill us and that sort of thing and and they were and someone was outside rattling windows, and so everybody in the house, except for me was uh was worried nobody slept except for me and at, mm. at that point, when I walked into it. I'm not saying I'm perfect or better or anything else it was just that time that I had been granted from Yahweh that peace that I went laid down fell asleep yeah and when someone asked me are aren't you worried about this I said no what am I to worry about if they come in they come in but I trust him and I can and I heard a story of a um of a of a Oh, what do you call it? somebody that goes around ministers a family that went around ministering of of him being stopped by i don't know if it was a mafia you know or who it was it was bandits whatever they were gonna kill them and angels showed up and took out the the bad people
0: oh awesome so i so we know it happens no exactly so and i thank you barry so Peter, now he's on his way to Miriam's house. He arrives at Miriam's house, and we'll pick this up in Acts uh, 12, 13 here. And when Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhode came in answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she did not open the gate because of her joy, but ran and reported that Peter stood before the gate. And they said to her, you're mad. But she she kept insisting that it was so, and they said it is a messenger and Peter continued knocking, having open open, they saw him, and he and they were amazed, and motioning to them with his hand, he said, "Be silent. He told them now the master uh, told them how the master brought him out of prison and said, Report this to Jacob." excuse me, Jacob into, uh, to the brothers and he left, they went to another place. But thinking even that, like I'm I envisioning, he's coming to this door stressed out. No, he's got to get in, get off the streets, knocking on that door, right? Road, the, the servant girl was like, Oh, it's Peter. It's Peter. And then she doesn't open the door and tends to go and tell everyone else. And like, no, I'm thinking, no, 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 come back, come back, come back, you know, because he wants to get off, his anxieties, I would say going up even more, but eventually he gets into the house, you know, so that's what I'm thinking, it's like, wow, some of these things that might have been going on and, you know, one of those events, it's like later on they'd laugh about it, but not at the time because he wants to get in off the streets, right? Who knows? Maybe the neighbors and everything. What's the commotion? Okay, what, what could been stirring? You know, so, hey, am I embellishing the story with other things? Whether it happened or not, I don't know. But I don't think it's far from taking some artistic license that's in the context of our humanity and how our Elohim Works with us, such a frail and fragile thing that he's made us. So let's continue on. Now, when the day came, there was, uh, there was um, excuse me, there was no small stir about those st- soldiers about what had happened to Peter. And when Herod had um, searched for him and did not find him, he examined the guards and ordered them to be led away. And he went, uh, went down from Yehuda to Caesarea and stayed there. Well, Just even that, I don't think it's too far-fetched to read a little bit maybe in the, to the text. Do you think these soldiers just got a slap on the wrist? They were led away. Yes, Barry.
1: In, in my translation, it, it wasn't led away.
0: No, it, <laughs> <laughs> they exactly. Were, they were and not I, living after. I, I think they ended up, their li- it cost them their lives because of that. So, so, and again, that is interesting in the story itself. Now, Herod had um, had been highly displeased with the the people. It's kind of switching here. Uh, the people of in, uh, uh, Zidon, I believe it is. But with one mind, they came to him, and having made uh, Blastos, the sovereign's eunuch, their friend, they were asking for peace between the two countries because their country was supplied with food by the sovereign's country. So real briefly, you had these two... Uh, countries in Judah they supplied a lot of their food back and forth their supplies in some sense okay now why that's important because there is a famine still going on remember that was part of this whole narrative that's going on so you have this going on now is switching to this uh, um, switching slightly here and i don't want to talk too much i don't want to talk much about here but what i do want to get to today is this conclusion to the chapter because i think hopefully we can see something very very important here and so what we're going to see now here is a comparison of a righteous man and an unrighteous man and that ultimately being Peter and then this king. And yes, there, there is tons of other things going on, but I'm trying to bring it to a simple point that we can walk away with something today. So I decided, think of righteous and unrighteousness going on, okay? So Herod, on an appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal clothes, sat on his throne, and gave to them an address to them, right? And the people kept shouting to Herod, the voice of God, the voice of a mighty one and not a man. And instantly, instantly a messenger of Yahweh smote him because he did not give esteem to Elohim. And being worm-eaten, he died. And the word of Yahuwah went on going and spreading. And Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, having completed the service and having taken with them John, who was also called Mark. So, my focus is here. One of them, I could not get around. Worm eaten. Okay? It didn't just say that he died here, Herod. Okay? My guess there is more. That is trying to be conveyed here and hopefully I can show you that it is clear why he was struck down. He exalted himself against God against Elohim and did not give glory to Elohim. It's very clear what happened here. Maybe the point um, maybe the point that we should take home on this today is there is a difference in the death of the righteous and the death of the unrighteous. Elohim gives rain, right, to both those, both of those groups. When it rains out there, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous, the good people and the bad people, right? Regardless. But Elohim gives it to both, but those who follow Him have hope and have other things. There comes the difference. The righteous have hope. The unrighteous do not. So, in some ways, I was thinking, the unrighteous, this is where the worms are associated with. Okay, so real, the simple terms, what we're looking in, simple idea here, Herod was appointed king, king, right? But he assisted on destroying those who had the word of Elohim, the word of God, that good news. Then he was struck down, because he just killed James too. He was a murderer. And then he was after Peter next. So the context, like I said before, where we kind of began here was Passover. And Passover is about righteous and unrighteousness in the simplest form. Is there much more to the story? Yes, but I'm just, let's just focus on righteous and unrighteousness. So Herod here, he may have been stricken with parasitic worm, infection of some kind. I'm not sure. Josephus said something to that effect that it was a gastrointestinal thing. Okay? And I guess it was probably painful. Either way, the wording is associated with him. So Herod, is he righteous or unrighteous? He's unrighteous. There, to me, the connection. So there is actually all kinds of records about parasiti- uh, parasites entering one's body and in and, and that type of thing, and eating people from the inside out. And that could have been the case, mm-hmm. but righteous and unrighteous. The worms are associated to the unrighteousness. Yes.
2: So it's interesting you're bringing up the worm. In our prophet portion today that I'm going to bring up later, in Isaiah 66, 24, it says, And they shall go forth and see the limbs of the people who have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, and their fire shall not be quenched. They shall become a spectacle to all flesh.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And So, like Mark's pointing out, this expression of worm-eaten, does have more to, uh, more to it it reminded me of the language that i heard before we know what happens obviously to the body okay the natural way of the body okay with the decomposition and what happens so in some sense that happens to all of us eventually, right? But this term is used to describe the death of the unrighteous, like we just heard in Isaiah 66. Righteousness versus unrighteousness. A messenger visits Peter, and a messenger visits Herod Agrippa. There are two different results one lives, one dies. When Elohim visits them, worm eaten, it seems to mean more than just to die then. And if you do a search about the worm, you'll find references to a lot of interesting things, but the ones I want to point out are you will find references to death and divine judgment of the unrighteousness, which is a result of disobedience to his word or his instructions. If we look at how Messiah used this phrase first, and then we actually will go back to Isaiah, what Mark just read, I will believe we'll see how seriousness that's behind this phrase of worm-eaten.
2: Yes? So did you say that one lives and one dies? Correct. So as, as see again how much the Father can you, unites us in our two studies. So I'm I utilize that passage because we're going to talk about that in this evening study. That because um, in the prophets he talks about um, that the wicked will be snatched away. And so if you remember how it talks about one will be in two will be in the field one will be taken one will be left. And so here you're here you're showing. That one one is one dies and one lives. So same kind of parallels. That uh, oh, oh exactly.
0: Thank you, Mark. So we're looking at righteousness versus unrighteousness, and like Mark's pointing out, this is a clear theme throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, including Messiah's ministry. Look what Messiah said. And whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it is better for him if a millstone be hung around his neck and we were thrown into the sea. And if your hand makes you stumble, cut it off, right? It is better for you to enter into life crippled than having two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. Where? Their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Messiah says this two more times here in Mark. I think a total of three times. This last one, if your eye makes you stumble, pluck it out. It is better that you enter into the reign of Elohim with one eye than having two eyes and be thrown into Ganahana, again, where that worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Yeshua uses this phrase, their worm, it's personal. Their worm. Your actions. Right? So it's like a total of three times here in Mark. It is personal. And it paints a clear picture of the consequences of one's obedience to the Father's words. Basically, stop. It doesn't mean cut your hand off. It means stop doing it. Stop doing it, right? Stop, repent, turn around and do what I have commanded you. You'll find that at Mount Sinai. I have given it to Moses, right? My words are not my own. Messiah said this several times. He's quoting only what his father says. He speaks only what his father says. But Mark pointed out, this is where Yeshua got his information, We'll see, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 66. Valerie, and then uh, we'll get into Isaiah 66 again.
3: I was just going to say, like, when he says to cut off your hand and and cut off your, take out your eye, obviously he's not talking literally, and I think it's more than just stop it, but I think it's also if there's something if you're addicted to something that you're looking at at the computer get rid of your computer if there you know put blocks on your on your phone on your technology if you know if whatever um if you're doing the sin of gluttony get rid of all the extra food that you don't need you just like there's like practical ways to impart that into into life it's like whatever it is that's that source of temptation that that seed nip it in the bud before it gets out of hand i agree so be extreme
0: at at this is very important well
3: speaking (laughs) exactly to that i have really experienced that putting the internet and all that away this since we've been here the About the third day we were here, I had my billfold stolen. I had everything in there. My life was in there. My phone, my driver's license, all my credit cards, one of his credit cards. Everything was in there that this person took. At the same time where we were we're living, we at that time did not have any internet, and we kept being, we'll come back tomorrow and fix it, tomorrow and fix it, tomorrow and fix it. We didn't have it. I absolutely didn't have those things that we have grown to use every day. And I felt totally abandoned and very angry at that person that took my Mm. my life. So it's so easy, probably, the Herod story here of how the enemy can take things from us that we probably shouldn't be so attached to in the first place.
0: <laughs>
3: so there you go.
0: Uh, thank you, sister. It was terrible. Yeah.
3: I, do, I do have a phone back right now, but I can't use it because it's not working. That's another story.
0: <laughs> so with this Isaiah 66, thank you, sister. Isaiah 66, it opens this way, the, ch- the chapter. Thus says, Yahuwah, the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is this house? That you build for me and where is this place of my rest? Where should I rest? I'll, I'll get get right there in a second. And all these my hand. Have made and all these that exist, declares Yahuwah, Yet. To such a one I look on. I I I look on him who is poor and bruised of spirit and who trembles, who is frightened and takes seriously my words. And I ask, I'll tell you, please read the rest of Isaiah 66, the complete chapter, and you'll get more insight. (laughs) I guess Mark's gonna have that set for you. But so, back to this idea, the worm shall not die. Ultimately, it's a place where you don't want to be, right? That's why, I'm foc- uh, that's why our focus on returning to his Torah's instructions for our life is so important. We need to die as righteous people. Right, Joe.
4: In reading the the text, their worm, their worm shall not die, and their fire shall not be quenched. I don't think the worms are eating the outside of the person. I think it's an inside thing. What type of worms they were, I don't know. But from What I understand about the medical is like tapeworms. The worms are inside. Their fire is also inside, and they cannot be quenched. So it has something to do with what's on the inside of man, not what's on the outside.
0: No, I I agree. That's a part of what's going on here.
4: Those worms must have liked unrighteousness
2: and wickedness. But
0: but, uh, real quick, Isaiah 66, it talks about obedience. Isaiah 66, 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me, have not upheld what I said to do, have come against me, for their worm shall not die. That's an aspect of eternal. Their worm will not die, and their fire will not be quenched and they will be repulsive to all flesh. I'm telling you, or I would suggest to you, there is a deeper, eternal aspect to this phrase because it's associated with the unrighteous. Because if the righteous have hope in their death, then the unrighteousness of those, they have no hope. Their worm's going to continue. They're going to continue to be or not be. And then the righteous have hope to be with him. Word. A couple days ago, I was watching a Bible study on exactly what you're talking
2: about. And they showed a bunch of ancient iconography from ancient Egypt and various other regions in the ancient Near East of the worm gods that they believed ruled in the underworld. And they basically tortured people. But this is an ancient belief
0: that they held. Wow, (laughs) that gets even deeper, doesn't it? (laughs) So, So I'll go back to we need to die righteous people. And when we die as righteous people, I think I can say that our worm will die. The unrighteousness, their worm continues. If you understanding what's that dimension that's going on. But what's so awesome, we have a God, He's a merciful God. He's a merciful Elohim with grace and forgiveness to those who repent and turn back to him. So let me go even further with this idea of righteous and unrighteousness the unrighteous man and the unrighteous man Isaiah it, oh, I forgot the mark oh no it's Isaiah 1 stop bringing and this is for us here okay stop bringing futile offerings incense it is an abomination to me your new moons, right? To me, new moon, Sabbath, the calling of meetings, I am unable to bear unrighteousness in the assembly. My being hates your new moons, not his, your new moons or whatever you're doing on his time schedule. My being hates those new moons and your appointed times, the times that you get together. They are trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. And when you have spread out your hands, I hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I do not hear. Your hands have become filled with blood. So, the whole principle, we can take his set-apart feast his, shav- his Sabbath and his ways, and we can Bring them down. We want to not to be in that practice. So I'll end I'll be able to kind of finish up here with this. Isaiah one continues in sixteen, and this is the plea for all of us, anyone out there. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings. From before my eyes, stop doing evil. Right? That's the same that we saw. If your hand's doing it, stop, stop. Learn to do good, seek right ruling, reprove the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Here it is. I know we all know this one. Come now, let us reason together, says Yahuwah. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, crimson, they shall be as wool. If you submit and obey, you shall eat the good of the land. And if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of Yahuwah has spoken. Now, I want to point out something here. This word scarlet and crimson here, It's the same word used back in Isaiah 66 for the worm. Woo! And that worm is associated with unrighteousness. And he's saying here the same idea. Turn away from being unrighteous. Turn to be righteous people. This is exactly what we have going on in Acts where we're reading a righteous man, Peter. Being called following and an unrighteous. King who has plenty of power, exalting himself up above Elohim, taken in all that. Yes, I am. Thank you for those kind words. Uh, yes, I'm a God. I know. Thank you. Uh, if I didn't know it before, I know it now. Yes. Right. Paul.
1: so one of the connections i'm going to make and take a leap is using the same words in the hebrew that are there for worms it's just to replace this though your sins are like worms they shall be white as snow though your sins are red like worms they shall be as wool So if I'm saying that they're like worms and they're eating your opportunity to actually have Mm -hmm. life, they're eating you up, they're consuming you, then that puts a different connection to what is consuming or eating because it consumes you and removes any opportunity for you to have everlasting
0: life. Excellent. Thank you, Paul i might add so if you submit and obey your worm will die but if you don't it will never cease so we want to be we want to die righteous people and we have grace and mercy from our father so what we're doing here trying in incorporate his words in our life, his Torah, his instructions in our life, doing the feast. We're on that path. And as you guys know, we, are, we have a plenty, we're all this, like what was said last night, and you've heard before, we're all a big work in progress, but we got to stay that path. We are on the right path here. Yes, Joe.
4: In verse 18, God is saying, come now, let us reason together. Then in 16, voice yourselves, make yourself clean. These are choices that a person has to make for themselves. God also says, learn to do good. It's, it's a education. We have to learn how to do good through the scriptures. Seek right ruling, reprove the oppressor and to stand up against evil that uh, scripture says to give a reason why you believe and defend the fatherless pray for the widows come now come now if you submit and obey you will eat the good of the land but if you refuse and rebel you will be desired by the sword by the worm
0: and by the fire Excellent. Thank you. So, like I was saying, here in Acts, to me, this is a basic fundamental storyline, fundamental principle between the righteous and the unrighteous. We see, to me, I see it very clearly going on here. And that's what I was looking at all week, how to present this without all these rabbit trails, and my temptation is still go back and look at that word worm and see all the other places that it's associated with, and maybe come and we can talk about that next week, and maybe there's some insights that you get out of that. Yes, Mark. Just
2: one other insight on the worm. So they discovered that the the worm that creates the red color for the garments the crimson and all these things it was if you remember when we were in israel we saw it it was in a in the tree and it was in a little reddish clayish shell when they would get that out and crush it it would give them the red color so very interesting so yeah there's a lot of things that this is saying about us because if the sin is like that red color that worm that produces the red that represents sin it's not ever going to go away
0: yeah no, so that's yeah. There's so much there. So instead of going, uh, let me see what else. So the the point to take home today is our Elohim is giving us a picture here. There is a difference between the death of the righteous and the death of the unrighteous. Choose life, right? Choose life. He's going to visit humanity again. Judgment for the righteous and the unrighteous. Returning to His Torah's and structures for our life. And and that is very clear. We need to die righteous people where the worm will die. He is merciful. He has given grace. Opportunity to repent. Take forgiveness and return back to Him.
1: I'd like to add clarification to your very clear statement. (laughs) And is how about we live as righteous people so that when we die, we die as righteous people?
0: Yes, I agree 100%. It is action, action only. This is an action text. So instead of going on to chapter 13, I'll going to close in prayer unless there's anything else we close a little bit early that's amazing <laughs> father yeah great and mighty you are and there is none like you father we thank you for your words we thank you for your spirit who also does encourage us knowing that father without you we do have no hope but journeying with you we have support we have your guidance And, Father, we know we're frail and, oh, we mess up so much, Father, here and there. And please, Father, do not leave us. Messiah even said, your son, that nothing can be, we cannot be plucked out of his hands. Father, we trust in that. Help us become more and more in the image of your son. Father, that's our desire. And, again, thank you for your forgiveness. We love you. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you come. And those online will be back next week, chapter 13 in Acts.